You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Nice to have two days off. Nice to recharge the uh, recharge the batteries per se. Bruce, how you doing today? Healthy and alive. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, watching, you know, watching the news and uh, what's what's going to go on with all these national guard and so forth. But uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be fun to it's going to be fun to see. And everybody's still asking the question: Who are they working for? And I guess we'll figure that out in the coming days. Uh, but we have. A very special guest joining us again today, and this has been the first time in a very long time. Tavish, it's been a while. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. Hope you gentlemen are doing well as also. Not too bad. Things are well, all things considered. Just a just a, just a little bit crazy, I think, is uh, is an understatement. We've got a lot to cover today, but I tell you what, Tavish, since you haven't been with us in a while, uh, tell us how your holiday was, and tell us what you make of the current state of affairs from your standpoint from where you are holidays went well uh small gathering just family um everyone else was spread out across the country so they couldn't get back so it was a good time quiet and like you said recharge the batteries um i i I was shocked at what happened in the capital i was saddened i never expected to see that in america never the fact that not since 1814 was the Capitol stormed, or would I see troops bivouacked in the Capitol building? I believe that hasn't happened since the Civil War. So it's just like, what's going on? Are we going over a cliff? I, I honestly don't know. I never thought I would see this in America. We see this in another country. We'd be sending troops to help them out. And that just scares me. Just a couple additions there. We did see the Capitol attacked in uh, 2018, and we did also see it attacked in the, what was it, 80s? When was the bombing? Was it 83? Uh, the BL, the there. BLM bombing? No, no. The uh, Well, yeah, the, the chick that there was two women that bombed the Senate building. Yeah. Or, yeah. They're now the, the leaders of BLM. Right. I think that was an 83. But anyway, it was only a million dollars of damage is all that did. The thing that got me about the uh, the capital stuff, I mean, we can talk about that for a few minutes. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to get into that uh, later, but uh, we can start with it, I guess, since you brought it up. The thing about the capital is, is I, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, OK, here's the U.S. Capitol right now. Bruce, you and I were talking offline uh, last week when we were working on some other uh, prep for, uh, uh, excuse me, we were working on prep for, we were working on prep for another project. And you had said to me, this is the U.S. Capitol building. This is the best camera angle we can get. This, this is all the better we can do on uh, on uh, cameras oh. and quality and, yeah. and all that stuff. But I'm thinking to myself today, I'm like, here's the U.S. Capitol. Here is supposedly this, this COVID pandemic that's raging out of control, which we'll talk about some of that stuff today. Here's supposedly this, this COVID pandemic that's raging out of control. Here's a group of supposedly unhinged insurrectionists that are Trump supporters. And according to Chuck Schumer, this is the greatest... American tragedy since Pearl Harbor. Apparently, he wasn't around during September 11th of 2001. But this incident happens and all these people go rushing in, which they weren't even rushing in, really. The police just opened the doors and kind of let them walk through. I mean, if you saw the the photos of the lobby, they're literally just 
taking their good old time, shuffling their feet, walking through. And supposedly this is like Pearl Harbor. But I, I, I guess that's a side issue. That's not really my point. My point is, is that here's all these people that are going in. They're going into uh, congressmen's offices, you know, like Nancy Pelosi's office. You've seen the, the photos of the guy that's putting his feet up on the desk. The people that go into the uh, the Senate chambers, the House chambers, someone's walking out with the Speaker of the House's lectern, which is the podium. By the way, that guy was Antifa. Just side issue. I'm sure it's nothing to be concerned about. But anyway, my issue is, is that they are going out into or they're they're going through the the Capitol building with this pandemic that's out of control with no masks on. Do they not think that they're not going to get identified and charged? I mean, what, what did they really expect was going to happen here? I mean, I guess that's my question. I mean, I, I don't know. Are you guys are you guys looking at it the same way? I mean, I, I see these people walking in and apparently there's a, a need to wear masks. And don't you think if these were people that were serious, that were actually going to go in there and address these people and uh, do whatever it is that I mean, if this was supposed to be some violent insurrection, then I mean, what was their plan? Are you really going to go in and have your face exposed to the world like that. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. That's where I'm. That's why I'm following the uh, the Asian provocateur thing. I was so. surprised myself at the lack of face coverings. Um, like you said, if they were really intent on this, would they not make some attempt to hide their identity? Now I understand for some it was a point of pride that they were there. Uh, for others, they may have just been following the crowd or hey, what's going on over here. But just the sheer number of people that were easily identifiable that they're they're still picking off social media today. Um, that did surprise me. That did surprise me. And the number of people yeah. I saw using military tactics, I was not happy to see that. Social media, but just to add a point there, I, I seen an article talking about the FBI was sifting through something like 150,000 different photos from the, the, the Capitol, uh, trying to identify people and, and narrowing down who was doing what. Honestly, this is why I think much of it was uh, agent provocateurs. Now, I think there were legitimate like patriots that didn't go there to start violence, but got caught up in the moment. I, I do think that was part of it too. But when you look at it and you see the timeline, which New York Times, New York Post, um, there's a few other uh, agencies out there that have released the timeline, thanks to reporters like Elijah Schaefer, who CNN's trying to destroy, by the way, they pointed out that there was already violence going on at the Capitol, at the steps, before the president had even finished. He still had another 20 to 30 minutes of his speech that was going on before he even told him to go to the Capitol. It was still the rally. And then, you know, there was violence going on there. Uh, you know, they were assaulting police. So, no, I, I think it was agent provocateurs. And those that were assaulting had vests, helmets, gas masks, hammers, batons. I mean, they they were they already had weapons using similar tactics to what we've seen all summer. So whether or not it was Antifa, obviously, we're going to have to look into it and, and find well, look out. At look at Sullivan. Look at John Sullivan. Yeah. And the guy that walked out with uh, Nancy Pelosi's podium, but the guy that walked out with the podium, that guy was Antifa. Mm -hmm. and, and he's got photos of himself at an Antifa rally. So if you're at an Antifa rally six months ago, and then all of a sudden you're parading through the halls of Congress, carrying around the, speakers, uh, the Speaker of the House's podium, wearing a Trump hat, I think there's a little bit of a conflict of interest. Well, the, the other one was uh, the hoodie guy with Buffalo... Buffalo dude. Oh, the yeah. Buffalo man. Yeah, he's a he's a Q yeah. wizard shaman, Bruce. Get it right. Well, yeah. OK, well, yeah, whatever. Uh, but Buffalo guy had a uh, hoodie guy with a long beard running around with him the entire time that was, you know, around him at all times. He was identified as part of the what was it? Philly chapter of uh, Philly Antifa. Antifa. Yeah. yeah, 
now that that's happened, of course, now you've got all these uh, all these troops that are uh, that are at the Capitol. But here's the interesting thing. I, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm listening to different sides of it. I, I'm listening to, to different perspectives from it, from people that have a lot more knowledge than what we do. And I get the feeling like it's just everybody's talking in circles. That's the feeling I'm, I'm taking away from it. And when I look at that, I think to myself, OK, all of this is supposed to be to protect the inauguration, right? That's what we're being told is this is to protect the inauguration. They've got uh, 20,000 troops there. Now I think they've increased that. They've got F- F-16 uh, squadrons that are flying over. Rumor has it that there's a couple of doomsday planes that are up in the air, uh, constantly circling. So I mean, something. all I'm saying is, is, is that something big is coming. I don't know what it is, but something big is coming one way or the other. Now, my issue with it is this. If you've got all these people that are there to protect the inauguration, okay, it, against supposedly a violent right-wing insurrection, right? That's what we're being told. Is it supposed to be some violent right-wing insurrection, correct? Okay. So if it's if it's one of these, then my question is this. Why are they posting National Guard troops? I mean, if you were to look at the, the DC, the map of DC right now of everything they've got locked down, I mean, for crying out loud, you can't get anywhere near any of this stuff. And I, I suppose if that's if that's what you want to do, fine. But there's no exit strategy. There should always be an exit strategy, and there isn't one. But I guess my point to this is that you have all of these National Guard troops and all of these fences and barriers and and barricades and everything else, non-scalable fences and non-scalable walls that are being put around our monuments as well. Now, if this is just for the inauguration against a supposed right-wing insurrection, why are they posting National Guard troops in mass and walling off these monuments? And I only say that because of this point. There has been no evidence whatsoever up to this point that would warrant that type of security for monuments against right-wingers. Right-wingers are not out there tearing down the statues. Antifa's down there tearing down the statues. BLM's out there tearing down the statues and the monuments. Not these uh, these so-called right-wing insurrectionists, like we're being told. To me, it's almost like the tar baby. The more you, you, you do try to do something with it, you get stuck to it, you can't get off it, and it just gets worse and worse. And I think now, like you said, people are talking in circles, they're talking over each other. Like you said, there's no exit strategy. It's just prepare, prepare, prepare. Well, what happens after? You know, you, you got to have a plan for what happens after the inauguration, after X amount of time, whatever it might be. And I could see security going out, whether because of right wingers, BLM, Antifa. Okay, blanket protection. But what happens after? And I think you have a good point with that. I haven't heard anything about the future going forward, getting well, people to come together. You did time in the military, right? You did a lot, you did many years in the army, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Now I have this thought in my head and please tell me if you disagree. I mean, you, you spent time in the military, so I want your take on this. Let's look at it just logically here. So you have 20,000 plus armed troops in the Capitol right now, and they are to guard against a so-called uh, right-wing insurrection based on this uh, <laughs> overblown biggest tragedy since Pearl Harbor, according to Chuck Schumer at the U.S. Capitol. And OK, so let's say for the sake of argument that you have people that show up at D.C. Let's say you have, a, an, you know, a half a million people that show up at D.C. What point is that? Like, what what point are you trying to make there? And I'm talking about. So if you're if you're say if you're supposedly part of this, uh, this patriot movement and you show up at D.C. in mass and what you're going to go out there and you're going to throw down and get into it with the National Guard. And then what's your plan? 
You, you see what I mean? So it doesn't make any yes. sense that the moves that are being taken. And then so I, I'm looking at it from from the opposite side. I'm looking at it from the side that we're being portrayed. The Patriot movement. OK, so you go there, the populist movement, you go there, you get into this big knockdown drag out, which is not going to be good for anybody. But if you do that, then what's your plan going forward from there? You see what I mean? So it doesn't make any sense. Logically, if you're part of the populist movement, if you're part of the Trump movement, it doesn't make any sense to do that. You see what I mean? No, I understand. And I think that's the problem. Like he said, there's no end plan. There's no way to get out of it. I can understand the need for security. No problem. But 20,000 troops and protecting monuments, I'm just not seeing an overall coherent strategy on either side. I mean, it's kind of self-defeating. The more you feed into it, the worse it gets. And I think both sides or all sides, doesn't matter if you're in the military or the Patriot movement or BLM or whatever, Antifa, no one seems to be thinking through to the end game. And it's just, it's it's a snowball effect. It just, they keep feeding and feeding and feeding. And my worry is where's it going to end up unless we put the brakes on it, you know, try to tamp down the anger level, try to tamp down the agitation level on all sides and just... Is it the overreaction after what happened with the Capitol? I can see some people wanting more troops out there. But putting tanks on every street corner like they do in China or something like that, that's not the answer, at least to me. Um, we still have the free flow of ideas, of conversation. We can agree to disagree without burning down the house, so to speak. And I don't mean that in the little sense, just the general phrase. But I just I am worried that people aren't thinking through to the end game of what's going to happen. Yeah, we go day by day by day, but that's not a strategic plan. I don't know if this makes sense to you guys, but I just don't see the strategic. I see more a tactical environment, tactical meaning in the moment, whereas strategic means long term down the road that I'm not seeing. And that's what worries me. What's the end game? Where are we going to end up and how do we deal with it? Having the National Guard come in after a year almost of riots and unrest, you know, and I'm not I'm not picking sides now. You know, I'm, I'm talking about both because we did see the violence at the Capitol Hill. So, you know, I mean, it, it's where were they over the summer? Though? So during the summer, the, when when they were attacking Washington, you know, they did put up the barriers. They did call in the National Guard. They did use less than lethal ammunitions. This time around, though, they're they're bringing in IFVs. They're bringing in soldiers with with kill orders. Like, I mean, they're they're authorized to use lethal force. So, I mean, this time around, they're, they're, they're not holding back, if you will. I want security. I want the peaceful transition. I want, I mean, because look, we've already used the, the, the legal process. The legal process has basically said, screw you. We're not going to investigate. And, you know, now it's, uh, we, we, can, we have to continue using the legal processes because we haven't exhausted everything at our disposal yet. I mean, at this point, our, our focus really should be uh, fixing the, the electoral system. Uh, ensuring that there's no more, you know. Yeah, but I agree with you. But there won't be. An, yeah, but there won't be an electoral system. They changed everything about the electoral system up to this point in order to get this to where they are now. So uh, my point is, is that with with a clean steal, <laughs> excuse me, with a clean sweep like this, or was I right the first time? You decide. Where is uh, where's the electoral college going to be? Answer nowhere. Yeah, they'll get rid of it. But the other, I don't know, other point on this is Antifa. Antifa's end goal is to burn the system down. They're anarcho-communists. They don't want any government. They want everything like they, they want anarchy. Really saying they're anarcho-communists is really like- It's a contradiction like in an and of itself. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't, like anarchy and communism kind of are the same. It's just one has a government and the other one's warlords. So 
Well, it won't work anyway, because, I mean, they, they are the useful idiots. I mean, they're going to get flushed yeah. on the other end of it. If there's an authoritative system that comes in on top of it, then they're going to get rid of them. By the way, that is not to say that any politician that helps usher this in is immune from this. Believe me, all you people are going to go too. every last one of you. That's how this works. That's how this works. They leave nothing to chance. So, OK, let's backpedal a little bit here. Tavish, you said something about, OK, you want to unify and have everybody. And you're talking about like the free flow of ideas and everything. And I'm, I'm fully on board with you. Don't don't think I'm not. I'm fully on board with that because that's what we're all about here. We're all about ideas and we can talk out our ideas. I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time and we differ on things, but we agree on others. And we're still very good friends after the end of a conversation. We always have been. Uh, and it'll continue to stay that way because I put friends before politics. That's just how I am. And I'm looking at the rhetoric, just the rhetoric coming out of the mainstream media. I don't care which one you pick. Okay, I don't care if it's CNN, MSNBC, CBS and all that stuff. I don't care. I'm looking at the rhetoric coming out of mainstream media. I'm looking at the actions that are being taken by politicians, right and left. And I'm looking at the actions that are being taken by corporations to shut people's speech off, either selectively or wholeheartedly, like Amazon did with eliminating the entire social media platform of Parler. They just eliminated the entire platform. It's not like they went after a, a group of people or, or some particular individuals. Overnight, they just arbitrarily said no more and they shut it off. I have a real problem with that. What are your stances on that? Oh, I fully agree with you on that, Johnny. To punish an entire spectrum of people for the views of a, a relatively small minority in the grand scheme of things, that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It solves no purpose, doesn't bring us any closer, no one is discussing or talking with each other, and it just feeds the fuel, feeds the fire. Cut them off, oh, obviously they're biased against us, and it just feeds the fire. We need to have an open flow of ideas and conversation, like you said, we agree on some things, we don't agree on other things, but we can listen to each other and say, hey, good point. I may not fully agree with it, but I you know, think brought up a good point. And that's what we need nowadays, the ability to talk to each other. We don't agree wholeheartedly all the time, but that's what makes a population come closer together by coming together and talking and going, why do you think this is wrong? Well, okay. Well, here's why I think it's wrong. Give and take that back and forth. That is what I think we are really missing. And by just lopping off whole segments of the population because of their quote unquote views or uh, standpoints or, or political policies, I do not agree with that. I do not. But to me, that's censorship. You know, if we're in certain cases, yes, I can see the need for it like the old yelling fire in a crowded theater. You can't do that. But to overall just whack off a segment of population from platforms where they can express themselves, that's wrong. That's censorship. And I can't really get done with that. Um, okay. So um, I'm curious on this. How do we get back to this, uh, to that point? I agree with you. That's what I want to see. I want to see civil discourse again. But the people, uh, the left, well, uh, the mainstream media, politicians, Hollywood, I mean, the talking heads and the, the crazies on the left are all saying the people on the right, if you support Donald Trump, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, you're a Nazi, you're a, they're, they're using all these extreme labels and saying, we're going to throw you into re-education camps. You're going literally. to be shunned from society. Yeah, literally. You're, you're and using taxpayer dollars to do that, by the way. That wasn't a problem back in World War II, was it? When uh, FDR did it? That wasn't a problem, right? Uh, anyway. I, I had um, a problem. It was before my time, but I had a problem with it. I, I, I agree. It was, I was being facetious. But oh, okay. my question is, how do we reconcile with these people that are saying all this rhetoric about us, 
saying you should be shunned from society and have actually shunned many people from society, destroyed their lives, falsely accused. By the way, they accused someone of being uh, one of the rioters there at, at the Capitol and falsely accused him. He was actually a retired firefighter and destroyed his life. And wow. um, uh, yeah, anyway, how do we get back to civil discourse with those people that are saying we're essentially going to destroy you if you don't agree with us? The cooler heads on both sides need to take these people and go, hey, pull it down a notch, pull it back. We don't need to go out there, guns blazing and nuke everything. You know, we, we have to take a step back, take baby steps. You know, step here, step here, agree to disagree. But to label someone Antifa or a right-wing nutjob, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help either side. And for a lot of people, they're in the middle. They just, they get so tuned out. It's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting involved, not getting involved, which leaves the fringe element on either side. And yes, there are fringe elements on both sides. I fully agree with that. But it gives them more room to maneuver. Without the the common voice out there to keep a lid on things, I think it just ferments and starts the pot boiling over, at least to me. we got to find a way to talk to each other, not at each other or over each other. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just well, to does. me what we need to get. Yeah, it, it does. But I mean, the, the, the question is, and I, I have the same question. I'm, I'm seriously sitting here scratching my head, and I have been for many years now because this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. But how on earth do you sit down? I mean, I don't hear the people on and I'm, I'm not playing right left politics here. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I'm not I'm not going to jump into that that endless cycle. I'm just not going to do it. But I'm calling a spade a spade. That's all I'm doing. I hear people like AOC talking, and that's what you were referencing, Bruce, if I'm not mistaken. She's talking about how they're going to use taxpayer money to deprogram people. Um, lady, I, I don't have a skewed view of the world. I, I'm not a racist. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a bigot. I wasn't raised that way. I, and I'm sorry if, you're, uh, if your proverbial silver spoon that was shoved in your mouth when you came from Westchester, no disrespect to the people in Westchester, New York, because she, she make believes like she's from, uh, from some poor family and she's not. She comes from a lot of money. She's on the cover of Vanity Magazine wearing a $15,000 suit and she's down with the people. Give me a break. Give me a break. So this, this stupid kid is up there rattling off about something that she knows nothing about and she is promoting this idea that somehow, and I, I hear this across the board, it's not just her, I hear this across the board, about how uh, if you're born a, a certain race, then all of a sudden you're inherently racist. Now, I hear all these people that are supposedly against racism that are doing nothing but talking about race. That, that to me, is the definition of racism. That, that's, that is the definition of racism. When you're sitting there and you're pounding people relentlessly over and over and over again. And by the way, let's not forget where it started. It started with Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters deplorables. You remember that? That's where it started. And so now we've transformed into this. You notice it's always more and more and more and more and more. So here we are almost a decade later, and it's turned into this. Now it's, well, uh, we're going to have to um, seriously look at putting these people in, in re-education camps. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not Nazi Germany. This is not uh, Soviet Russia. And, and I'm looking, I, and I know I know history. I, I'm not as well-versed as, as a lot of other people that are historians, but I know fascism and authoritarianism and totalitarianism when I see it. And that's what this is. That's who these people are. We can go down the whole rabbit hole about the you know election and all that stuff, and, and we can sit here, we can sit down and we can go through all that. But my point is, is that when I hear this talk, when I see the actions being taken by a consortium of governments, media, 
And now, of course, you have corporations involved as well. So these three factors, when these three factors get together, if the 20th century taught us anything, when these three things get together and you start silencing people, you start shutting them off in mass and then you demonize them any further, you control that narrative and then you can portray that because now we live in a world of perception, right? So now they have to figure out a way to stop people from communicating with each other. So it's more. It's always, well, we're going to have to lock down even harder this time because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Now, because of all these evil white supremacists and these insurrectionists, now we're going to have to take your communications away from you. What you're seeing is an insurrection. That's what you're seeing. And that's what it is. I have to agree with you, sir. The fact that the rhetoric just gets notched up and notched up. Oh, well, you're a fascist. Well, what can we use the next to make it sound even worse? And it, it, it both sides feed into it. You know, it, how can I make the other side look even worse? And, there, you know, there's some people on both sides that all they seem to do is how can I tear this down? How can I make that person look less than me? And that makes me feel better because I'm on the side of right. Well, everybody th wants to be on the side of right. Everybody wants to think they're on the side of good and that they're doing the right thing. But notching up the rhetoric tearing someone down to make yourself feel better, that's not going to help us. We need to come together and agree that, okay, you have your grievances. I have my grievances. What can we do? I guess both feel better rather than put one person up and tear the other person down. That's not going to help. I mean, look at China with their camps. That's not who we are. No, I'm sorry. I do not agree with it. I will not stand for it. That is just, and I don't know if it's because she had a silver spoon or whatever, but some of these Democrats have just gone too far, whether their rhetoric or their political agenda, it's got to stop. And the same can be said about certain Republicans. But no it's argument. a case of both sides have to step back and go, hey, this is getting out of hand. We're tearing our country down. It's got to stop. we got to come together because it's a lot harder to build something or rebuild something than it is to tear it down. It's very easy to destroy. It's very hard to build and improve. No argument about the Republicans. And, I, and, and, and there's blame enough for both sides. You know, and that's, I think, part of the problem. We only have two sides. If we had viable political parties where people were able to express themselves, it may make it better. Got to fix it. And I think that's part of the problem. It's either us or them. There's no common ground. There's no middle ground. Well, I agree with you and I agree with that. I'm an independent. I vote Democrat. I vote Republican. It depends on my viewpoints and what my beliefs are. Who's better for the job? doesn't matter what your beliefs are. Are you qualified? Will you be able to carry out the agenda? That's what I look at. I don't want someone that just shows up in Washington, get a meal ticket and free health care. Oh, look at me. I'm a congressman. I'm important. No, you're here to provide for the people, not for people to provide for you. You know, M Marty and I have been tossing this around for years now. And the idea of and I, maybe this is a good way to go with this, but abolishing political parties. I mean, our system was never really we were never really envisioned to have political parties. And to be honest with you, if anything is as proved to us up to this point, it's that political parties, it's too easy to go in and buy off the leadership, compromise people, and then they can promote the agenda with the media that's also been compromised. And then they can turn around and they can block people up and divide people. You're talking about voting your conscience and voting your ideas and people that you can identify with on those same ideas. And I do the same thing. I've always been like that. I'm not a registered independent, but I've always voted split ticket. I've always voted Democrats, Republicans. I've voted, hell, I've voted Green Party and even Libertarian before. But I identify with somebody based on what best represents the ideas they put forth, not what party they stand for. And that's what people are doing is exactly that, is people are voting party lines. 
And I don't like that. I don't like that. I think I think on the other side of this, because this is going to have to be dealt with. I think on the other side of this, I think it's time to abolish the party system. And I really mean that. I really mean that in, in all countries. I think it's time to get rid of in Western countries, especially it's time to get rid of these parties. We have got to elect people based on ideas and we've got to have the parliaments, the congresses, the republic, you know, however you want to do it. You've got if we're going to have democracies in general. Uh, I'm not speaking about constitutional republics and all that stuff at this point. I'm saying in general, if we're going to have a body politic, then we need to have a system that allows people to base their democratic process on someone with their ideas, not for a party. What what do you think of that? Oh, I fully agree. And I think some of the issue goes back to people who are democratic or democracy, and they automatically assume it's a political party. It's not. Democracy is a movement, a belief. It's not a particular group of people with an agenda. Democracy is an idea, the city on the hill, as some would say. Um, Eisenhower warned about the military-industrial complex. I think now we have to worry about the political-industrial complex. Are they in tune with the people? I don't think so. I think they have their own agenda, whether it's stockholders or political agendas or whatever it might be, but they're not in tune with the American people. I think that's where some of the breakdown is, the fact that people get into Congress, they get into Washington, and they don't want to leave. You know, they get that taste of power and like, oh, I have a committee ship. Ooh, I'm this, I'm that. And it jades their thinking, and all of a sudden, they're not there as a representative of the people. They're there as a representative of the political industrial complex. I'm in agreement with you guys. Um, I want the political parties abolished. That that is a abomination nowadays. Even just having a third party would be fantastic. A legitimate third party. Uh, I, I know libertarians are out there, and but they've not put forth a good candidate in a long time. But how do we get there? That's that's the problem. How do we get to the point to where? Because uh, you know, I agree with you guys. I, I, that those are the things I want to see. But we have the political complex. We have this infrastructure already built, loaded with corruption. They can line their pockets, and all they have to do is toss a bone to the to the people every once in a while to keep them to keep them happy, keep them you know appeased, and they get to continue doing whatever nonsense they're doing. You know, lining their pockets or really screwing us over in, in different ways. How do we get to the point to where you know that that's a thing? Like there is no more political parties. I, I agree with the idea, but currently. I don't know how to do it. I, I don't know how we get there. In the current state of things, the people are so divided. We're going to have to get to the point to where we can have that discussion. We're going to have to be able to talk to one another again. And I, I agree. But and the the thing is, is in the current system, you're not going to get it. That that's I guess the point I was going to try and jump in there on was you're not going to get it in this current system. The system that we have now, it's too corrupt. It's too far gone. Now, is that to say that it can't be salvaged? No. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that with the people and the body politic you have in there now, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're going to have to clean all that out in order for that to be an option, a viable option going forward. And we can't do it with the system we have now. And by that, I mean, we're not we're not saying burn the system down. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's yeah, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that going forward, don't abandon the idea of a constitutional republic. That's not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, all we need to do is re-upload what we already have, because I'm a firm believer in the fact it works because it's been proven to work. We've just drifted so far from it that we've turned into this vassal state of just corruption and, and thievery and deindustrialization because we've been sold out. 
because the, the corruption just crept in. We went to sleep. The corruption crept in. Now we're going to have to deal with it. But on the other side of this, and I, and I heard this concept today, and I'm in total agreement with it. Uh, so, someone was talking about this. On the other side of this, not only can we address the political party aspect of it, because that was my point to throw into the hat with it. But also, we need to be looking at adding another amendment to our constitutional republics that give us health freedoms, that give us health rights. So we don't deal with this stuff anymore because we're dealing with these aspects based on not law, but regulations that they're pushing down that no one seems to have any answers for. And then, of course, the courts aren't going to be able to side with it because there's no precedent to it. So we're going to have to have that worked into the new system as well to where these people are not able to do this anymore. Uh, if they stick to the Constitution and the spirit thereof, they're not supposed to be doing any kind of the uh, health or welfare edicts. What they're supposed to be doing is recommendations for health and welfare. I mean, it's literally in... Um, the Constitution right there at the I mean, it's not in the Constitution. It's the, it's the preamble to the Constitution. So it has no power, but it tells you the spirit of what's going on. And it says to recommend health and welfare. So recommend is I, I don't know I, how, how we got recommend to edict or law. Um, well, you scare the hell out of people. That's how they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Perpetuation of power by having their agenda that's like whether it's deregulation of business the economy healthcare, whatever it is these pet causes or pet peeves that people push not only does it give them a platform to speak from but it also gives them a position of power to ensure that they stay where they are is it for the good of the people maybe maybe not the way they're going about it no it's not it's not the best way to do it it's a perpetuation of power to keep oneself in the political industrial complex at least to me, that's what it seems it's turned into. You know, like you said about recommendations versus edicts. Okay, did the people actually say this is what we want you to do? Or was it something that you decided was the best for the people? And again, your job is to provide for the people, not for the people to provide for you. It may sound like I'm flogging a dead horse, but to me, I think that's part of the root problem is the fact that people get into Washington and all of a sudden it's like rarefied air or whatever you want to call it. It's just, I know best. Do you do you really like you were saying about um, people who come from uh, families of wealth? Have they ever been homeless? Have they ever worried about where the next meal is coming from? You know, will I be able to afford a doctor? Things like that. Simple issues for the everyday folk don't seem to really matter once you get to a certain position of power. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, I think, part of the problem that's gotten us to this point. The perpetuation of the political industrial complex over the common good. Well, it has. And I mean, you can you can loop in with that. You can loop in all these uh, these unnecessary lockdowns and, and, and everything else. I mean, you can't tell me that these lockdowns have been successful. You can't tell me that. Look at how this has played out in these countries. For example, where I'm at. OK, everybody was lied to. Everybody was lied to. And anybody that can't see that at this point that's listening here, I know we have a lot of German listeners and I thank you all very much. But anybody that can't see that at this point, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. Everybody here was told first of November, we're going to have to close down for just 30 days because we've got all these cases spiking everywhere. And OK, fine. So everybody did. It's going on three months. And now they're saying, oh, well, no, we're now we're going to have to do it even more because of this uh, this UK variant. Are you kidding me? I've been past four hospitals in the last week and they're ghost towns. They're completely empty. Where is it? Well, look at what's going on in the UK. The same thing. People were starting to go to hospitals. They were starting to figure it out. All the testing sites were empty. All the vaccine places were empty. And now all of a sudden they're, they're saying, oh, well, um, we might have to. The, the German foreign minister, the piece of useless garbage he is, he came out today and he says, well, we, we might. Have, and this is an interview I saw somewhere. He says, well, 
uh, those that get vaccinated are safe from everyone else. So those people should get their rights back. Uh, I'm sorry. There's no proof, even by the vaccine manufacturers themselves, that publicly say there's no guarantee that this is going to protect you with anything. So why would you even make a statement like that unless you're compromised and there's a larger agenda afoot here? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is that something is being done here to cover up something larger. That's all I'm saying, because clearly none of these things have worked. Right. There's a new study out today that says that and this is a peer reviewed study that did not find evidence that lockdowns were effective in stopping the covid spread. Okay, the study did not find evidence to support NPIs were effective in preventing the spread. Okay, according to Outkick, who published the report, the study co-authored by Dr. Aaron Ben David and Professor John P.A., Christopher O. and J. Oh, my goodness, I can't pronounce that name. That's like six inches long. Uh, Studied the effects of uh, NPIs. Bruce, can you pull NPIs real quick, please? Tell me what the hell that is. I'm sorry. Non-pharmaceutical interventions. That's what it is. I'm I'm sorry. That's what it is. Non-pharmaceutical interventions. Okay, so basically a a lockdown. So there's no drugs involved there. You're trying something else as a preventative measure. Okay, so the study that was co-authored. Yeah, I got that. Okay, so the effects of NPIs in 10 different countries, including England, France, Germany, and Italy. Those are the four countries in Europe that are being locked down the hardest, except for the Italians. The Italians finally said go to hell to the government down there, which is in the process of collapsing, by the way. So the Italians decided, all right, we've got 50,000 businesses here. We're going to open up. And so they are partying. They're having a good time. The police showed up to try and shut it down. So the customers rounded on them and threw the police out. Good on you. That's what needs to happen everywhere. When it was all said and done, it concluded that And this is from the study. In summary, we failed to find strong evidence supporting a role for more restrictive non-pharmaceutical interventions in the control of COVID in 2020. In fact, the study found no clear, significant, beneficial effect of more restrictive non-pharmaceutical interventions on case growth in any country. Again, you lock down because of cases, the cases get higher. You see how it works? They flip it back on itself and they say, oh, well, it's your fault. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not following the rules. And so it turns into the blame game. Everybody here is to blame but the people that are responsible for it. So from the study, they put in the framework of this analysis, there is no evidence that more restrictive non-pharmaceutical interventions or lockdowns in this case contributed substantially to bending the curve of new cases in England, France, Germany, Iran, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain or the United States. Remember, 14 days to flatten the curve. This is the longest 14 days of my life. I don't know about the two of you. By comparing the effectiveness of non-pharmaceutical interventions on case growth rates in countries that implemented more restrictive measures with those that implemented less restrictive measures, so countries that locked down versus countries that didn't, the evidence points away from indicating that more restrictive NPIs providing additional meaningful benefit above and beyond less restrictive NPIs. So those that didn't lock down, less problems. See how that works? While modest decreases in daily growth under 30% cannot be excluded from a few countries, depends on their testing and what Zoom they're and what cycle they're using on the PCRs, the possibility of large decreases in daily growth due to more restrictive non-pharmaceutical interventions is incompatible with the accumulated data. So the study even looked into the potential of stay-at-home orders facilitating the spread of the virus, right? So, uh, it well, this is, uh, yeah, this is out of control, so we're going to have to issue these stay-at-home orders, right? Like California. Los Angeles is hard-locked. I mean, hard-locked. I don't think anything's open. Uh, well, a couple places, but that's about it. The direction of the effect size in most scenarios points towards an increase in case growth rate, though these estimates are distinguishable from zero in Spain, which they didn't do any lockdowns, 
Only in Iran do the estimates consistently point to the direction of additional reduction in growth rate. Yet those effects are statistically indistinguishable from zero. Okay, so they were a little higher. But if you look at the way that they live, it's a little different. So you could chalk that up to that, in my opinion. While it's hard to draw firm conclusions from these estimates, they are consistent with a recent analysis that identified increased transmission and cases in Hunan, China, during the period of stay-at-home orders from increased intra-household density and transmission. So more people you have in, the more it passes around in your family. In other words... It is possible that stay-at-home orders may facilitate transmission if they increase person-to-person contact where transmission is efficient, such as closed spaces. Okay, so in a more confined space you are, the more chance you have of it spreading around. We do not question the role of all public health interventions or of coordinated communications about the epidemic, but we failed to find an additional benefit of stay-at-home orders and business closures. The data cannot fully exclude the possibility of some benefits. However, even if they exist, these benefits may not match the numerous harms of these aggressive measures. Suicides are off the charts. Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, domestic violence, children not having social interactions. This is all having a larger effect on people more than a virus with a 99.73% survival rate. More targeted public health interventions that more effectively reduce transmissions may be important for future epidemic control without the harms of highly restrictive measures. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Only because, like you said, whether it's alcoholism, domestic violence, suicides, the huge increase in the number of people seeking psychiatric help for depression or whatever it might be, um, the, the isolation factor alone. People in general, I think, do not do well with extended periods of isolation. We have We're to interact. People. We have We're to social take, people. Exactly. And you take that away, and I think a lot of people lose their, their anchor or their rock, and they start to go adrift. And I think for a lot of people, that's the issue right now, the fact that we're in a, like a lifeboat and like, okay, is there any land in sight? When is this going to be over? And I, I think it feeds into the overall psyche. So, you know, and I can just, I, I understand the science about, if you have people in enclosed spaces, if there's infection, it's a lot easier to spread it versus, say, people yeah, being allowed to go about in public or whatever. Yeah, but it's like that with it, with just about anything. I mean, you notice that if you have a member of your household that comes down with like a cold or a flu, it usually gets passed around. Yes, because you have such a small space that you're all circulating in. So I can understand how if you've got people out and about, less restrictive areas, that would slow the mix um, of the spread in certain communities. Like you were saying about Iran, different way of life. So apples and oranges, but overall, yeah, you lock people down, it's just not going to go well. I'm concerned. Okay, so this is this is the kind of stuff we've been talking about to begin with. But now that they're allowed to publish this, now that they're allowed to talk about this, if you will, in the white papers, I'm concerned that their intention is, hey, um, lockdowns didn't work. We're going to have to, I don't know, institute COVID passes. You're not going to be able to do anything until you get a vaccine. I'm concerned that this yeah. is going to open the door for something like that. This is good news. I'm glad we're, we're, we're having the science to actually back what we've been talking about. I'm glad it's caught up to reality. But, but now they're going, I, to know that I, they're going to go the next step with it because lockdowns aren't yeah. working. So now, now they're going to say, oh, well, OK, now you need to do this. But there's no again, but there's no evidence to show that. And then look at the, the most recent report out of Norway. Twenty three people died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. 23 people. The government had to finally admit it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's talking about the vaccine and everything. I, I guess, you know, I won't be able to hold a normal job because I'm, I'm not getting a COVID vaccine. I'm just well, look at the. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not either. And I'm, no. I'm of the 
age group that's not affected by this. So look at the look at the people that I've are protesting. Look, look at the people that are protesting, though. Look at all the look at all the people that are out there protesting. Are you going to get those people to take a vaccine? Hell no. Hell no. So what? The only thing you're going to do by introducing a vaccine into a society, you're going to split society. That's all you're going to do. And it's it's just not it's not going to go well. And again, you have to ask yourself, why are politicians barricading themselves in their parliament buildings? Why? Fear. That's yeah. Fear. So that, that that's a concern. We was it GP telling us about somebody that he knew or was it you telling us something about they knew that uh, we're, we're against vaccine or, you know, the whole covid was all of. Oh, yeah, it was me. I was talking to somebody and they said that um, they said, oh, yeah. And mind you, this is a medical worker. And they said, oh, yeah, I know that this whole covid thing is just uh, it, it's 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 overblown. And and none of this stuff is is real. And I know it's all just a it's a giant hoax, more or less. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, the data shows that to be true. I mean, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearer. I mean, if there's a conspiracy theory, I'll be one of the first people to try and shoot it down. But the data points the other direction with this one. And we're in full agreement uh, with one another. And this is a person I've known for many, many years. And they said, yeah, so I decided today that I'm going to go and get the COVID shot. Um, okay, so let me get this straight. You understand that everything about this is overblown and most of the stuff that they're peddling out there is nothing but fear. And that's what they have. They have to scare people into taking these vaccines. That's what they're doing is they're scaring people into it. Then this person turns around and turns around to me and says, yeah, I decided I know it's all I know it's all a made up joke, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go take it. How on earth do you do you reason with that? I mean, that that's the new challenge to me right there. How on earth do you reach that? It's like somebody even sees reality and yet they still give into the fear. Uh, and the reason I was bringing that one up is the the protesters that are out there that are that are protesting the lockdowns and everything. If they're presented with the option of, well, you get the vaccine, you can go back to work. You can go. You can have your rights back if you take the vaccine. How many of those are really going to take it up? And how Some. many of those are really going to exist? But I, I think majority of them will not. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, if you're out there and you've lost everything, let's say you've lost your I mean, the people that the people that are losing their jobs, I mean, the protests are mostly happening on the weekends when people aren't working anyway. So let's say that you've lost everything. What the hell more do you have to lose? I mean, people are marching in the streets over here, holding up pictures of the politicians in prison stripes. People are walking down the streets with signs that say arrest Bill Gates. You can arrest Bill Gates and, and that little worm of his Fauci today. I, I'm so sick of these headlines. Bruce, I was, I was screen sharing with you. We were working on a project yesterday, and I, sh I showed you some of the headlines that were on my home screen. Four things Dr. Fauci says not to do. I don't give a damn what Dr. Fauci says not to do. If Dr. Fauci doesn't want to do four things, then Dr. Fauci doesn't need to do four things. But don't tell me what the hell I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Uh, so if the government wants to come in and say, hey, look, here's the science behind this. We recommend X, Y, Z, but it's your choice. Hey, you know what? Thanks for the information and data. And then let me live my life. We're all adults here. You don't need the government coming in and slapping you around as if you're a stepchild. I mean, seriously. Perpetuation of power. You have a crisis. They perpetuate it. They stay in power. Perpetuation of power. If they make things seem dire enough, ooh, we must listen to the government. The government knows best. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Give us the information so we can make informed decisions on our own. We the people, not you the government, but we the people. Give us the information. Let us look at it. Let us go over it so we can make informed decisions on our own as to the best course going forward. But to arbitrarily say this, not that, you, not him, I, I just can't agree with that.
Well, by them perpetuating uh, and, and pushing the fear, it does keep them relevant. But at the same time, they're losing credibility on the other end of it. Now, you're going to have the, the sheep out there, the sheeple. You're going to have them regardless. They're going to go. Uh, they're going to follow along with it, hook, line, and sinker. They're the ones. These are the people you see out there driving alone in their car with a mask on. Okay, those people are sheep to the end. There's nothing you can do with them. The people that are out there riding their bicycles by themselves with a mask on, sheep to the end. You can't do anything with them. But those that you try to wake up, that you you help to understand in all of this. You can't reach certain people. You just can't do it. And and I've learned if you can't convince someone, just move on, move on. I mean, there's nothing that they can do. Instead of them waking up like they should, they, again, they're the same as these people in power. They don't admit fault. They double down. They don't want to admit that they've been conned about something. So they will get into the fear, get into the hysteria, and they'll go along with it because they think that it'll keep them safe. When in reality, it won't. It's going to lead them right down a, a horrible path. That's been shown to be true throughout history, is that's the way that people work. As unfortunate as it is, I think there are those people that will continue to go along with it. I think a majority of people will, uh, unfortunately, but it's always the minority that are going to have to step up and make the change. That's what these people fear. When you put a million people standing in front of a Capitol building, do you know how much that scares the hell out of those people? Let's look at actually trying to keep them in a sense of relevancy. Fear works both ways. They're afraid of what they're doing as much as people are afraid of what they're saying. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I tell you what, last few minutes here, let's let's jump up to New York. Governor Cuomo, your friend, Bruce, Governor Cuomo, has decided that he's going to backpedal on all of the uh, the lockdowns. Uh, he says that uh, we can't just sit around and, and wait, because if we do, then there won't be anything left. Uh, so he's shifted, and he says that now is... As the Biden inauguration is coming up, well, then they have to they have to move on and, and open everything up. So after months of vigorously imposing lockdown measures across the country, high profile Democratic politicians have begun to shift their positions on lockdowns as the Biden inauguration approaches. Mainstream media outlets that have been touting the necessity of lockdowns all along have also jumped on board with it. Now they're saying, and this is a tweet, I'm looking at a tweet here. This is Newsweek. This is what some of these people are saying at the moment. This was a tweet that was put forth on January 14th, right? So three days ago. This is out of Newsweek. COVID lockdowns have no clear benefit versus other voluntary measures and international study shows. That's just the study we went over. Andrew Cuomo, this is his tweet on January 11th. We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. Well, I would imagine it's probably because you had a lot of those vaccines spoiled because you didn't handle it properly. We will have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Isn't that what Trump said last year? We must do it smartly and safely. Hmm. Mayor Lori Lightfoot out of Chicago has also jumped on board. This is out of CBS Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says that Chicago restaurants and bars need to be allowed to reopen as quickly as possible to cut down on incident instances of private parties where people don't take proper precautions against COVID-19. Well, I thought restaurants and bars were just deadly places. I mean, these were super spreader events. You couldn't go there. And now all of a sudden we have to reopen all this stuff as, as quickly as possible. Why? Because you think your, your, your poster boy up there is going to take office and you're going to have this rocketing economy and say, oh, it's Biden. See, Biden got everything working again. He's calling for a hundred day hard lockdown, hundred days of masks, a million people to vaccinate a day using the military. How are you going to justify calling to reopen? What are you going to say? Oh, well, now we're going to challenge the, uh, the administration to open everything safely. What's the agenda? I believe that for some of them, they're seeing the writing on the wall and they realize things are getting out of hand and we got to start backtracking. Now, we, we have limited openings here in Massachusetts. The gathering size restrictions are still in place, but they are still allowing 
certain capacities to be met. Same thing, supermarkets, things like that. So I think they realize people are approaching a boiling point and that they got to start taking the lid off to allow the steam to get out so the pot doesn't boil over. Not sure if that's the right analogy, but to me, it seems like they're starting to realize people are getting tired of it and they're not taking much more of it. So now they're starting to walk back with what they had said three months ago, six months ago, whatever it might be, especially now that there's better science coming out. The only thing that changes science is better science. And that's what we're starting to see, like that study you just quoted. Well, I think okay. honestly, I think honestly, my friend, I mean, let, let, let's let's just jump right there, because you said that I think better science is coming out. Honestly, I think the science has been there all along. They've been ignoring it. And my point to that is is exactly this. Any person or medical professional or scientist or or, you know, a doctor, whatever, anybody that has come forward publicly since the start of this thing last year, Anybody that's come forward has been systematically discredited, shamed, fired, had their public profile taken offline, been banned from social media, banned from from YouTube, banned from working in their in their profession, been humiliated, been death threatened. So honestly, I think the science has been there all along, but it's not working anymore. So I, I think it's been there. It's just it's been ignored to fuel this agenda and push it to this point. Well, I also think it was the lack of exposure because the general populace will not see most of these studies or even hear about them unless it's through sheer chance or accident. They happen to tune into a station or podcast or whatever it might be. So for the general public, they don't see it out there. They just see the powers that be going, they're wrong. We must make them atone. But now, because it's becoming so much more out there, it's more accepted. It's more acknowledged. And I think it's getting more traction. So it, that's what I meant by that earlier. The fact that it was, yes, it was always there, but it wasn't fully acknowledged as you're starting to see now. Differing voices, dissenting voices, you're hearing more and more, whereas in early days, it was tamped down. They wanted to stop that because they needed that unified front to keep their agenda going. It looks like Biden won. It looks like Biden's going to get an office. That's why they're they're opening, that's saying it. we should open yeah. up. Perpetuation of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a fascinating conversation. We only got to, I think, two things that we wanted to talk about today. Seems to be a common thing when we sit down and we start going over stuff. But uh, Tavish, thanks for stopping back in. Thanks for jumping back on. It's been a while. Hopefully, we will be able to have you back sooner rather than later next time. It would be my pleasure, Johnny. And gentlemen, keep up the good work. Get that information out there. You have an important platform and keep going with it. This is why I enjoy these shows, because I get to hear different viewpoints, different information. I like being educated so I can be informed and make informed decisions. So thank you, gentlemen, for the work you do. It's very important. Well, thank you very much for those kind words. Like I said before, we're not uh, we're not experts. We just uh, we just look at what's there and what we can prove. Uh, and we're happy to have your your input and your perspective when we do get the chance to have you on. Well, gentlemen, I thank you. I hope you guys have a good night and hopefully I will be back on soon. All right. So there he goes. All right, Bruce, did you have anything else you wanted to talk on today? But I think we're pretty much eh, we're, we're pretty much out of time. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we call it a day? Not really. I think we we, we hit on all the topics that I was uh, looking to talk about today. Really? I didn't think we did because, I mean, I had all kinds of stuff lined up and we got to like two things. So, well, I feel content with what we went over. I, I should put it I should put it that way. I, I, I feel uh, I feel like we we got to important topics and address things, you know, talked about ideas that personally have been bugging me for a while, not knowing, you know, how, how, how do we get back to civil discourse again? That's been one that's puzzling me for a while. 
and I agree with you. How do we get back to civil discourse? And and I, honestly, that's all that's all we want. We would we just want to be able to sit down and talk about ideas from a local level, from a, a state level, from a federal level. We want to talk these ideas out, and we want people to have a say. The people that are in power have decided that we are not allowed to be able to be a part of that process any longer. And we need to get back to that. We need to get back to that. But unfortunately, I think some things are going to have to happen first in order for that to happen. We're, uh, we're going to have to um, we're going to have to hold these people accountable and it's going to have to be done peacefully. When I say peacefully, I mean, the usurpers are going to have to be usurped. Is that a kind enough way to put it? Yeah, it's just I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I really don't know of any other way to put it, but the insurrectionists are calling the ones that are not the insurrectionists, the insurrectionists. Everything's flipped back on itself. Everything, everything that you've been seeing for the last 12 months has been turned back on itself. That's the key. You want to know how to figure this stuff out? There's your answer right there. Look at the scenario that you're being presented with and then look at it backwards. Literally, that's all it is. That's all it is. Everything's being turned back on itself. So everything becomes about you and what you're not doing rather than the people that are perpetuating it. You know, I wanted to start tonight by plugging our Telegram platform, but I I didn't. But for those of you who would like to follow us outside of this, we are going to start mirroring our podcast. We've already started uh, on the platform of Telegram. Get into Telegram if you haven't already. Parlor's been shut down. John Mates, who's the CEO, and his family have gone into hiding because of death threats against him and his family. Uh, So it's highly likely that that platform might not be coming back up anytime soon. But get into Telegram if you want to stay in touch with us, because rumor has it the banhammer's coming down on podcasts at some point. So get into our uh, get into our channel over on Telegram. You can search for us. Dynamic Independence will pop right up. Also, we're working on another project over there as well. We're getting off the ground with it now, and I think we're going to have our first one up sometime, hopefully this week, possibly this week, Bruce, maybe. Yes. Yeah, should be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to be working on a podcast that is exclusive to our channel on Telegram. So if you want that extra podcast, if you want that extra, um, shall we say, perspective without censors, okay, I'll put it that way, then you have to log into our channel over there. So once you subscribe to our channel, you'll get it. All all of it is free of charge. You don't have to download any other applications. Download Telegram, register, get hooked up to us. Great app to stay in contact with other people as well. Uh, Get other people on it, share our channel. Easy enough to do. It's a public channel. Uh, And we will have our first exclusive podcast coming up this week that will not come out here. It will not be on these platforms. It will only be on Telegram. So be sure and get signed up to us. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips.dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and associates. We are trying to grow as much as possible, but we do need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you can pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could give us a rating on your respective platform, if they have a rating system, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, Bruce. We will see all of you tomorrow.